Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 71-80. Republished by Irving Risch, host of Down-to-Earth but Heavenly-Minded Podcast. Meditations on the Ark of God. The Ark Moving and Resting. The cloud of Jehovah's presence accompanied his ark and his people on their three days' journey, and it came to pass, when the ark set forward, that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered. And let them that hate thee flee before thee. God's presence with his people was manifested in the cloud of glory, and in the ark on which the cloud rested when the tabernacle was pitched. And what could the enemies of his people do when God was present among his people? They were utterly powerless, and God's people were safeguarded, in his presence. When the Lord was on earth the enemies of God and his people were fully manifested in the deadly opposition to him. Satan was met, and compelled to retreat, in the temptations in the wilderness, and men, under Satan's influence, could not stand before the wisdom and power of the Son of God. Demons were cast out, men and women were liberated from the grip of disease, and even death had to relinquish its victims at his word. All the enemies of God marshaled their forces against his Christ to put him to death, but in his entry into death the power of God was manifested. For it was through death that Jesus annulled him that had the power of death, to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Satan was completely vanquished by Jesus entering death's domain, death was robbed of its sting and its power was broken, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them, Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. How complete is the triumph of God over all his foes through his Son coming into this world, and going into death. When the ark rested, Moses said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel, Numbers chapter 10 verse 36. If the mighty power of God has been manifested in the scattering of all his foes, his delight in his people is expressed in his dwelling among them. God has a dwelling place among his people today, for the church is his habitation by the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. In the millennium, the Lord will be found among the many thousands of Israel, after having poured out his righteous judgment on his enemies, and God will dwell with men in the eternal state after every judgment is passed. And after the last enemy, death, has been destroyed. The ark crossing Jordan. There is a marked difference between the crossing of the Red Sea and the passage of the Jordan. At the Red Sea, Israel went over by night, with a strong east wind blowing and a powerful foe behind them, the pillar of fire directing their way between the crystal walls that Jehovah had cleaved for them. There was much to cause fear in the hearts of the people, the darkness lit by the presence of Jehovah, the stormy wind, the massive walls of water on either side, and the pursuing army. It was with great relief that the people saw their enemies dead on the seashore, and with deep thankfulness and joy they celebrated the triumph of God. At the Jordan there was no storm, though the waters between the people and the land of promise were as formidable as those of the Red Sea, for Jordan's banks were overflowing. The enemies behind them had already been defeated, and those on the other side were shut up in their cities with the dread of Jehovah upon them. All was calm as the divine instructions were given about the way they were about to take, and the passage was to be made in daylight. No stormy east wind was needed, for God had another way of making a path for his people through the way of death. It has often been remarked that the crossing of the Red Sea foreshadowed the death and resurrection of Christ for his people, whereas the passage of the Jordan pointed forward to the death and resurrection of the saints with Christ. This very clear distinction must be evident to every spiritual mind that considers the two scriptures in the light of the New Testament. In Joshua chapter 3 verse 3, the officers commanded the people, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests the levites bearing it, then shall ye remove from your place, and go after it. Every eye was directed to the ark, just as God directs our every eye to Christ, the true ark of the covenant, the one in whom God's testimony is found who in perfection answered to all the claims God made on man, and who brought glory and pleasure to God in his every step. 
God's people were not told to follow the officers, or to keep their eye on the priests the Levites, but they were to go after the ark. It is good when the saints have men like Paul, who could write, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample, Philippians chapter 3 verse 17. But though others can be ensamples for us, Christ alone is our object, as it is written in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of faith. He is both the object for us, and the perfect example. In following the ark, Israel were commanded, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure, come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. Verse 4. Across the Jordan was a new way for Israel, and the way through death is a new way for the people of God, and only as having Christ before us can we take that way for his glory. For ourselves we have to learn that this is the way for all God's people, that which is true for the whole Christian company as associated with Christ, but we also have to learn it experimentally. All twelve tribes were represented in the crossing of the river, but there were the two and a half tribes that remained on the wilderness side of the Jordan. The fighting men of the two and a half tribes went over with their brethren, but they left their homes and loved ones behind. It was God's purpose that all Israel should dwell over Jordan, but the two and a half tribes fell short of God's purpose for them. They dwelt in the land that God gave to his people, for it was part of the inheritance, but not that part that God gave them as a dwelling. The Jordan separated them from the place where God would dwell among his people. There is therefore the need for us to learn experimentally the truth of the crossing of Jordan, so that we might dwell in the knowledge of, and act in the light of, the purpose of God for his saints. The two thousand cubits allowed each one to have an uninterrupted view of the ark, and God desires that no one should be allowed to obscure our view of Christ. Moreover, the measured distance tells us that Christ stands alone in the eye of God in all his deep perfections, and that he should thus be seen by his people. God has richly blessed us, giving us his own life and nature, and has associated us with Christ as his brethren, so that we are all of one with him, and are heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. But while thanking God for these surpassing blessings, we must never forget who Christ is in the glory of his person, the only begotten Son in the bosom of the Father, unique and alone in this relationship with his Father. Normally, the ark was in the midst of the tribes while they journeyed, this time the ark, as in Numbers chapter 10 verse 33, went before them. But it would remain in the midst of Jordan till all the people were clean passed over. When the priests that bore the ark came to, the brink of the water of Jordan, they were to stand still in Jordan. This day would show to Israel that the living God was in their midst, and was the assurance that all their foes would be driven out of the land that he had promised to them. God's people were not called upon to meet the overflowing banks of the river of death, they were to view the ark going down first, and to see the waters recede whenever it came thither. What Joshua said would come to pass did come to pass, for as soon as the feet of the priests were dipped in the brim of the river, the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho, Joshua chapter 3 verses 15 to 16. When the Lord Jesus Christ went into death, he met death in its overwhelming power, which is foreshadowed in the overflowing banks of the river Jordan. Its power was overwhelming for men, but there was one who met the full force of death, so that his people might go over dryshod. How wonderful the sight must have been for Israel that day to see the waters of Jordan recede, or as Psalm 114 puts it, what ailed thee, thou Jordan? that thou wast driven back. There was a greater power present than that of Jordan's mighty flood that drove its dark, chilly waters back to the city Adam, and beyond it. The power of death was annulled there, not yet completely destroyed, for the great wall of water remained, ready to flow forward in its fury and power, once the restraining power of the ark was taken away. 
It was not the rod of God's power yielded by Moses that caused Jordan's waters to be driven back, as had been the case at the Red Sea, it was the presence of the Ark of God. What a wonderful mystery lies in this. The Son of God was crucified in weakness, yet there was power in him to overcome the power of death when he entered into death. It was the power that was manifested in him in life, the power of holiness, that drove back the dark waters of death. This same power is manifested in him in the raising of the dead, even as it is written, that he is declared the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of Holiness. By the resurrection of the dead Rom. 1-4. Do we not see the Son of God, according to the Spirit of Holiness, driving back death's mighty waters here? The feet of the priests had first of all but touched the brink of the water of Jordan, and the waters were driven back while they stood there, but while the people were passing over. The priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, Joshua chapter 3 verse 17. Death's power is so completely set aside in the death of Christ that not an evidence of death is there, the ground is firm and dry, and it was on the firm, dry ground that God's people passed over. Already the saints of God are viewed as having died with Christ, and as being risen with Christ, his death and resurrection assuring us of this place with him. God has given us this place in association with his blessed Son, and it belongs to every saint of God whether he has learned the truth of it or not, but God desires that we should know it, and live in the light of it constantly. It is not exactly facing the article of death, though if it has to be faced, we can view death as being robbed of its power. We can view the Jordan as firm and dry for us to pass over into Christ's presence, having no terrors for us, for Christ has caused its waters to recede. Twelve stones were carried by twelve prepared men from the bed of the Jordan, from the place where the feet of the priests stood firm, and were raised as a memorial on the side of Jordan where the people lodged after the crossing. These stones were a witness for coming generations of what God did that day for his people. We too can look back to the day when Christ entered into death, and there is a fitting memorial for that, given by the Lord himself on the night in which he was delivered up. And because of his death it is ours to be associated with him as risen from the dead. We also learn that, Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there unto this day, Joshua chapter 4 verse 9. Surely these twelve stones in the bed of the river tell us that we have died with Christ, even as the twelve stones on the bank tell us that we are risen with Christ, Colossians chapter 2 verse 20, 3 to 1. How very touching it is to read, for the priests which bear the Ark stood in the midst of Jordan, until everything was finished that the Lord commanded. Joshua chapter 4 verse 10. Are we not reminded of the Lord enduring the judgment of death until he was able to cry, it is finished. There is nothing more to be done, all that God commanded was done by Jesus. And his people are brought into the place of richest blessing because Jesus did all that was required to meet the claims of God and secure his glory. When all the people were clean passed over, the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priests, in the presence of the people, Joshua chapter 4 verse 11. How intimately were the people associated with every movement of the Ark of the Lord? They saw the Ark move towards the river, they beheld the waters recede as the feet of the priests bearing the Ark touched the brink, they watched, as they passed over, the Ark in the midst of the Jordan. And they saw the Ark come out of the Jordan after they had crossed. How blessed are our privileges of viewing Christ in all the different situations foreshadowed in these things. What a rich contemplation for us to consider Christ passing through this world, onward into death, then to see him in the precincts of death, to contemplate him in death, sustaining all for God's glory and our blessing, and witnessing his mighty triumph over all death's power, and gazing upon him coming up the victorious one, that all his people might be with him on the risen side of death. 
in Joshua chapter 4 verse 23 the crossing of the Jordan and passing over the Red Sea are linked together, not only to remind God's people of what he has done for them, but that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. What a testimony God has given to men in the death of Christ. It is in bringing Christ out of death that God has displayed the exceeding greatness of his power, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 to 23, and whether men accept this testimony or not. It is also given that his own might fear him forever. Reverential fear should ever fill the hearts of God's people as they contemplate what he has done for their blessing in Christ's death and resurrection.